daily basis. And the story goes like this. There's a man driving down the street, and he is following a large truck. And he begins to notice something very strange. At every stoplight, the driver of the large truck gets out of the truck, grabs a baseball bat, and starts pounding on the back of the truck where the cargo is. And this happens stoplight after stoplight after stoplight. The driver is pounding the side of the truck. And after seeing that for four or five times, the guy's curiosity really got the best of him. So at the next light, as the man got out and started pounding on the truck with the baseball bat, he also got out. And he said, hey, fellow, I'm just kind of curious. What are you doing? And the driver looked at him and said, you know, it's like this. I have a one-ton truck, but I have two tons of canaries in the cargo container, which means that I've got to keep a ton of birds in the air at all times, or this truck's not moving. (laughs) Get those birds flying so you can drive the truck. Man, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you had more canaries in your life than you could carry? I have. I think we all have. And I'm sure at one time or another, we've all felt that we've just trying to juggle so much cargo. We're so weighed down. It becomes chaotic, and we have a hard time moving forward. So today, as part of our Unshakable series, I want to talk about what I call the too many canary syndrome. Your canaries might have, you know, a different meaning than mine. But we all have obligations, we all have responsibilities, we all have those to-do things. We can all understand that sometimes we have too many canaries for our truck. Unshakable. Where do we find that fortress where we are unshakable? Now, before we put up the memory verse, I want to see how many of you have actually uh, memorized it. Psalm 62, 2, let's say it together, he alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Okay, we're going to put it up now so you can see the words. Uh, Rebecca suggested maybe we could cover certain words up like they do in kids' church, you know, but um, there it is. I do hope you'll memorize it because it will help you become unshakable. Let's say it again. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I'll never be shaken. Now, we are shaken in points of chaos. And in the first Sunday, we talked about dealing with chaos that we create for ourselves. Sometimes because sin. Sometimes through misguided or unwise decisions. We talked about At those times, we need to confront the chaos, take the responsibility that's ours, ask the right questions, get the right counsel, and take the right steps. Last week, we talked about the chaos that we encounter that has nothing to do with our decisions. We just find ourselves in a situation because of outside or a realm of influence and control that has a ripple effect upon our life. And even then, 
We have to acknowledge what the Bible says. If you are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, your steps are ordered of God. So God is in control of your life if you have committed yourself to Jesus. So even when you find yourself in chaos that you've not created, you can rest assured that in the most out-of-control situations, that for you, God is in control. And he is conforming you into his likeness. For we know that all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now today I want to look at this chaos of too much cargo, too many uh, canaries that we're trying to carry. And I'm talking obviously about the chaos of a full plate. A full plate. The chaos that you experience day in and day out when you have more to do than you possibly can do. And I want us to look at a story in Acts chapter 6. It takes place in the early days of the church, and it's appropriate today being Pentecost Sunday. Because literally in the first year of the church, man, the church was a brand new organization as well as a brand new organism. So they were trying to figure out, how do we structure this? Of course, a lot of what they did was what they had done as good, God-fearing Jewish people. We understand that. But this was different. They had a relationship with God through the Messiah of Jesus. They were filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God was moving in this just uh, incredible way. In fact, the Bible says every day new people were being added to the community of faith. Now, you can say they were saved, they were born again, whatever terminology you want to use. But they had come to faith in Jesus So the church was growing, and there were these utmost urgent needs, matter of importance, that were presented to the leaders of the church at that time. And the apostles had to figure out a way to get things done, and how to get things done in order. Now, God was behind all the growth, right? He was the one that was spurring the growth, But as I mentioned last week, it's wrong for us to expect God to always gift wrap all the details and deliver them to our doorstep with a pretty bow tied around. You know, when we're faced with a challenge, God will help us, but we are expected to do our part. You can't just sit back and say, well, I'm going to ignore it. God will handle it. Yes, God will handle it, but we have to ask God, what is our part To play. So, since that original day of Pentecost that we're celebrating today, the explosion of growth, and as part of the outreach to the community, one of the things the church did was set up this system of daily distribution of food. Isn't that interesting? That one of the very first things the church did was to feed the hungry in the community. From the very beginning, from the day of Pentecost, the church has been involved in the ministry of compassion. They have been reaching out to the marginalized, to the widow. From the very beginning, we continue to do that. In fact, just this week, we took on the powerhouse ministry. Pastor David Kleinfeld over in East Wenatchee, 
They give free showers. They give free food. It's a wonderful ministry to the homeless of our community. And because of your generosity, we've taken them on because it's the biblical thing to do. Now, where did the church learn how to do that? Because that is what they did even as God-fearing Jews before Jesus came. If you study in ancient times, the Jewish synagogue had the custom of collecting money and food from those in the marketplace. This whole idea of gleaning the fields we read about in the Old Testament. And all those resources were distributed to those in need and those unable to care for themselves. So the early church was really continuing the custom of the Jewish synagogue. But the rapid growth and the cross-cultural makeup of the early Christian church caused some difficulties, caused some problems. Now, as you can imagine, most of the believers during this era were Jews. They were Jews that had come to faith in Jesus as the Messiah. What we don't think about is the subcultures within the Jewish culture. You know, most of us just think, oh yeah, they were all Jews. But no, we have to understand before we read the text, there were two main categories that the early apostles were dealing with. The local Palestinian Jews who spoke Aramaic. Now, parts of our original New Testament actually were written in Aramaic. It was more of the, you know, uh, marketplace language. But then there was a larger group of Jews who spoke Greek. So we had two groups of Jews who didn't have the same main language. Now, those Greek-speaking Jews had converted, perhaps, to Judaism. Maybe they had come from foreign countries. Maybe they no longer spoke their ancestral language. I don't know. But I do know from my research, the second group was often looked down upon. <laughs> they were looked at a lesser class of Jew. And that was a cultural problem that the church was dealing with. So in today's story, it comes up that some of them were complaining about being overlooked in this food distribution. You know, some things never change. I remember a conversation I had with a young lady at River West when my uh, mother was there. Wonderful lady, wonderful caregiver, born here in the United States, but her first language was Spanish. Her home language was Spanish. And I remember her saying to me, you know, we're not allowed to speak Spanish here, but we have to speak English. It's required of us. I said, well, I wasn't aware of that. She goes, yeah, it's a policy because they don't want residents to feel uncomfortable like we're talking about them behind their back. And I just said to her, I said, how does that make you feel? She said, second class. She said, here I am, a citizen, an American. I'm working hard, but I'm not allowed to speak my native language. I thought about that as I was preparing for this. That's the kind of cultural 
tension that maybe we face today, but again, they faced it back in the early church. That's the context of our story today found in Acts chapter 6. Beginning with verse 1, we're going to read the first seven verses, and then guess what? I've got three points. Sometimes I surprise you. But as believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Anytime a church starts to grow, there's going to be rumblings of discontent. In this case, the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They had like a, a church business meeting. And they said, you know, we as apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom, and we're going to give them or delegate to them this responsibility. And then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked the idea, so they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. And these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them, blessed them, commissioned them, released them, laid their hands on them, and verse 7 says, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. I want us to dig kind of deep this morning. Sometimes when we have too many canaries, we try to figure out how to get rid of canaries. We tend to want to downsize. That didn't happen here. The apostles didn't say, we're too busy preaching. Oh, we can't feed those people. We're doing God's work here. They found out that the Holy Spirit would give them a creative idea and solution to their problem. They had the same number of canaries, but they weren't distracted from their main calling. See, the apostles took control of the situation that was really on the verge of getting out of hand. And they took some very simple, practical steps that would help them to deal with all the canaries of a growing ministry. In essence, what they said, you know, we need to resolve this matter. This represents more canaries than we have the ability to carry. So we need to reassess. We need to rethink our strategy. We need perhaps to recruit some people to help us do it. And that's exactly what they did. Now, often when I'm dealing with a full plate and I currently have more canaries that I can keep in the air to keep the truck moving, I don't often see that maybe as a good thing, but it could be. It could be. Being busy might be good if you're busy doing the right things. If you're doing what God has called you to do, 
Just because you have too much to do doesn't necessarily mean that you need to downsize. Maybe you need to allow the Holy Spirit to increase your capacity by adding other people to your inner circle of friends, your team. Because being busy might mean the doors are opening and opportunities are becoming available. Most of us, again, have the opposite problem. We have more opportunities than we have time to pursue. We have more canaries than we have the capacity to carry. And so we simply say we need less canaries. But from the word of God, I want you to be open to the Holy Spirit today. Because to stand strong in a culture of chaos, you might need to say, you know, I don't want less cargo right now. I just want a bigger cargo container. I don't want to say no to opportunities God is calling me to do. I just need the creativity of the Holy Spirit to know how to have a bigger plate. And that's kind of the lens I want to look through Acts chapter 6 today as we talk about increasing our capacity to get things done. And the first is we need to keep an eye out for uncovered bases. Uncovered bases. See the situation here? Hebraic Jews, Grecian Jews, there was an uncovered base. It was something slipping through the cracks of the early church. It was being overlooked. And the apostles, think about it, could have dismissed the complaint. They could have said, you know, it doesn't matter what we do. You know, there's always going to be somebody that's going to gripe. See, they could have ignored. They could have ignored it. Maybe we sometimes say, well, you know, people complain. Their complaint has no validity. But maybe we should stop and say, Lord, help us see this through your eyes. Does that complaint have validity? Strong and wise Christ followers should be able, through the voice of the Holy Spirit, to, to discern that difference between frivolous whining and genuine problems that people are having that need to be resolved. Man, there are many leaders out there today that would not have responded the way the apostles responded. They would have unfortunately just turned a deaf ear and said, oh, somebody else will take care of that. I pray that we'll never do that. They could have told the Hellenistic Jews, you know, don't make such a big deal out of this. Prefer one another. Be glad that somebody's getting fed. Don't be so negative. And in doing so, they would have lost this great opportunity for ministry. I was thinking back um, probably about five, six years ago. Man, we were just running in the fast lane. We went to two services. We had so many people worshiping, and we had all these ministries going, and one of them was Royal Family Kids Camp, which was huge, huge commitment of many of you who were involved in different ways. We had Sunday programs for the kids. We had Wednesday programs for the kids. We had camps in the summer 
for the kids. We had all this stuff going. And we heard that there were children in our community who didn't have food to eat on the weekends. Oh, they got food from the school during the week, but they didn't have food on the weekends. Kids in Wenatchee who were hungry. I look back and I think, you know, I'm so glad we didn't miss that opportunity. Because you know what we could have said? We could have said, you know, that's a very needed ministry. And there's got to be a church someplace that can meet that need. But right now, we're just too busy to add something else to our plate. But we didn't. We said, Lord, there's hungry kids. There's got to be some way that we can be involved. And we added another ministry to an already full plate of ministry. And we said, yes, we will embrace packing friendships. Friends, you show me a church that's on the verge of closing its doors, and I almost guarantee you that church has turned a deaf ear to the needs of their community. And Wenatchee First Assembly never be one of those. I know it's easy to say, man, if I ignore this problem, it'll go away. If I ignore this problem, maybe some of the canaries will fly away. Maybe somebody else will meet the need. But if the Holy Spirit is asking us or asking you as an individual to do something, you don't want to ignore it. And I know I I might be open to criticism today because it sounds like I'm trying to heap more stuff on you. You know, heap more stress on you when you're already stretched to the limit. But stay with me because that's not my intent. That's not my intent. My intent is to show you how the apostles handled a situation. We're able not to compromise their calling, but to meet the needs. I want you to understand, first of all, no matter how hectic things might be, you still need to keep an eye out for uncovered bases. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe there's a niece or nephew or a brother-in-law. Maybe there's a grandma someplace that maybe needs a little bit more encouragement and attention. And you think, oh man, I've got to get this kid here. I've got to coach this. I've got to do this, this. I, you know. But maybe the Lord's saying there's a creative way that you can figure out a way to visit Aunt Karma or whoever. We need to keep our eye out for unmet needs, even the middle of our chaos. Often at our staff devotions that we have every morning, we remind ourselves, because saying, man, it's going to be a busy day. We got this, 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 this is coming up. And we have to remind ourselves, but you know, often the interruptions of today will be the ministry that Jesus wants for us. And that helps us when we get that phone call and don't have time to answer it. That helps us when someone comes in the front office and needs to talk to a pastor about a benevolence request. Because we try to keep that in the front of our mind. Often the interruptions are the ministry that Jesus has for us that day. And that's similar to the situation between the Greek-speaking Jews and the Aramaic-speaking Jews. 
was an opportunity in disguise, an opportunity to increase the effectiveness of the church by serving their community, an opportunity to create a whole new ministry for dedicated believers to be involved with. And so what did they do? They chose seven men. They appointed them as what we would call deacons of the church. They came up with this plan because of the second thing I want you to see this morning, and that is we need to keep an eye out for solutions that won't compete with our God-given priorities. Because the apostles, in effect, said, yeah, this is a problem that needs to be addressed. There's a little tension over here between these two groups of people, and we want everybody fed, but we have another problem as well. God has called us to preach. God has called us to teach the Word of God. And if we devote all of our time to the daily distribution of food, we're going to have to neglect the priority ministry of preaching the Word. And friends, it's not that preaching was any more important than serving the poor. It's just that preaching was more important to the calling of the apostles. Both needed to be done. The apostles themselves couldn't do it. So they got creative, and I believe it's because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the most creative force in the universe. And he lives within us. If you need a solution to a problem, call upon the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. One mistake we often make when our schedules become too full, again, is to chop stuff off, you know. And that can be a good thing. Listen, it can be a good thing if you are eliminating non-essential time-wasting activity. But it's a bad thing when your schedule chopping causes you to overlook essential matters. Like your marriage. Like spending time with your kids. Like your devotional time every day with Jesus. See, those are essentials. I've known guys throughout the years that think they're super spiritual because they're out working for Jesus five nights out of the week. You try to say, but brother, your first priority is your wife. Your first priority is your family. The essential ministry. Who's back home taking care of the family? So yeah, there are non-essentials that we can... Maybe some of you need to watch less TV. Really. Or maybe, you know, eliminate video games. Or, you know, that second round of golf every week. I don't know. I'm not saying we shouldn't look at those things. But sometimes we make our schedule so full, we allow ourselves to be distracted from the priority of what God has called you to do, what God has called me to do. I was touched this morning, before any of you ever got here, to see two of our deacons out in the lobby with a mop bucket and a mop cleaning up a big water mess because of the rain this morning. And I was so blessed, and I thought, you know, I I could have mopped that up. Pastor Darth could have mopped it up. And there are occasions you'll find both Darth and I with a mop. 
<laughs> because we serve. But this morning, I thought, isn't it nice that I can go and pray and review my notes? And there's somebody who is taking care of the wet floor. See, that's how it's supposed to work. It's about priorities. When we come at this with the attitude of, I'm not going to eliminate the really important things from my life. I'm going to keep my top priority my priority. Then the right solution will present itself. So if your plate's too full, there's a solution that doesn't involve dismissing your calling, doesn't involve setting aside your top priority. Third and final point, keep an eye out for what other people can offer. It's hard to receive help because most of us like to do things ourselves. Keep an eye out for what others have to offer. See, the apostles basically said, here's a job that needs to be done. We have seven men who are well-respected. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're overflowing with wisdom. Let them get plugged into ministry. <laughs> I want to present to you this idea that these seven men were ideal for the job because the apostles had been doing their job. The apostles' job was to teach and preach the word of Christ so that believers would be formed in them and become fully devoted disciples. Why were those people filled with the Spirit? Because the apostles taught them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why were those men full of wisdom? Because they had developed wisdom under the teaching of the apostles. It's because the apostles were doing their job that those seven men were prepared. We all know what the epistles say, that pastors and teachers have been given for one purpose, to train, to prepare the saints, you, for the work of the ministry. That's our priority. Just think about that. If the disciples spend all their time waiting tables rather than preaching and teaching, those seven men would not have been mature believers. It's working together. While the apostles were preaching and teaching, they were paying attention to those believers around them, seeing how they were growing and how they could, could commit their life not only to the Lord, but also to others in service. Because serving is part of following Jesus. Every one of us should be involved in service of some kind. If your plate's too full, it's not that God wants you to toss out some of the good stuff. He wants you to find a way to share what's on your plate with others. <laughs> we need to think about some of the things that are creating overflow in our life. And say, Lord, is there someone in my life that could help me? Is there someone that has offered to help me, but because of my pride and independence, I said, oh, no, thanks. I, I don't need your help. But maybe you're robbing that person of a blessing by allowing them to help you. See, if you're serving in an area of ministry that's become too much, 
you need to ask the Lord, man, is there someone else that can come along and help? I was thinking about our packing friendships ministry. I referred to that earlier. In fact, I introduced Kim last Sunday. She was here in person. She is in charge of packing friendships. But she's a good leader. She doesn't do it all herself. She has at least five other people involved every week in that ministry who are feeling fulfilled because they have a part to play. Whether it's buying food, whether it's putting food in bags, whether it's taking the begged food to the schools. She's not doing it herself. She understands. And I think all of us need to understand that God has sent people into our life that can help us fulfill what he is calling us to do. For some of you, and I really feel this, it's not about church ministry. It's about family ministry. Some of you, I think God is is dealing with about spending more time with your family because that's your priority. Maybe it is church ministry. Maybe it's ministry in your HOA or whatever. God will give you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, a creative way to say yes to all those opportunities in your life. We know what it's like to have two tons of canaries in a one-ton truck. And I know that it's tempting to stop at every light and hit the truck with a baseball pad and hope it all works out. Or maybe open the back doors and just let some of the canaries disappear. That's easy, isn't it? According to Acts 6, that's not always God's way of doing it. God's way is when you've got too many canaries in the truck, he wants to help you. Get a bigger truck. (laughs) When you've got too much on your plate, he wants to help you get a bigger plate. And as long as you are a serious, dedicated follower of Jesus, I want you to know there's never going to be a place where you have nothing to do. Just ask Virgil. He's our example. You'll always have something to do. You'll never get to the place where your schedule isn't full. I don't know how many people I've talked to that have told me they are busier since they retired than they were before. Our life just fills up. (laughs) That's because Jesus said, occupy until I come. You know, we're not here on vacation, friends. I love a good vacation like the rest of you, and we need to care for ourselves. I've spoken on soul care before. But we've got a job to do. We're to make disciples of all nations. We've got a world to change. Jesus said, occupy until I come. So here's my summary. If somebody beside you is asleep, this is a good time to wake them up. <laughs> because they can hear this entire, what, 38-minute sermon in the next 15 seconds, okay? The plate before us becomes bigger. The cargo container expands. When? 
we stand strong in our commitment to serve the needs of others, when we stand strong in our commitment to keep our own priorities straight, and when we stand strong in our commitment to work hand-in-hand with other people. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the lessons we can learn from your word. And Father, I know there are many, many people here today who are overwhelmed by all the things that they have to do during a given week. And Lord, I pray you'll give them wisdom if they do need to cut out some non-essential things from their life to make more room for the essential. I pray, God, that you will show that to them. But Lord, for many of us, It's not about ignoring needs. It's not about hoping somebody else will take care of it. It's about how you will give us the creativity to enlarge our capacity to meet the needs of our family, our church, and our community. So I pray, Holy Spirit, on this Pentecost Sunday that you will rise up within us. And this week, when we see an opportunity to serve somebody, to do a deed, an uncovered base, I pray that we'll not ignore it. We won't just say, oh, that's a need for someone else to meet. If you bring it to our attention, may we have the confidence that you'll give us wisdom as you gave the apostles, that we can keep the main thing the main thing and our calling the main calling, but we can also be used of you to meet the needs of others. In Jesus' name, We pray. Let everyone say amen. Let's stand together, shall we?